Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Wow, we've got a lot to get into today. 2019 starting off with a bang and one of the biggest events is going down Friday, January 25th. The Friday night before the Royal Rumble in Phoenix, Arizona, Not Sam Wrestling comes to Copper Blues Live. CBLive.com for tickets. Friday night, January 25th at 7.30 p.m. Not Sam Wrestling comes to Copper Blues Live. We'll have guests. We'll have games. We've got a whole show planned out. You're not going to want to miss it. You won't have to miss that if you get tickets. And you won't have to miss today's Not Sam Wrestling because it starts right now. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Woo! I really am excited about the uh, about the event coming to Phoenix that we're doing. About the live Not Sam Wrestling coming to Phoenix, Arizona, Copper Blues Live, CBLive.com, the Friday night before the Royal Rumble. I'm putting it together. I'm trying to create a new live event experience. It's an experience that you're only going to get. It's a not Sam Wrestling experience, but an experience you'll only get live. And you'll be able to be there. CBLive.com for tickets. January 25th, Friday night before the Royal Rumble. Welcome. It's the first Not Sam Wrestling of 2019, and I am so excited to be here with you. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got Wrestle Kingdom coming up. And while we're plugging stuff, I'll be doing a bonus show this week. Friday afternoon after Wrestle Kingdom, I will be maybe like three or four in the afternoon. I'll pop on to patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. And if you're subscribed to the tier level that gets the live pre and post shows, I'll be doing an exclusive Wrestle Kingdom post show for all the not Sam shills at patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. But so much to talk about this week. We've got our interview with MJF. We've got uh, All Elite Wrestling, the Royal Rumble coming up. Of course, Wrestle Kingdom will break down, but I'd say the the biggest thing going on right now is the fact that uh, this morning after I got done with the radio show, I'm taping this on Wednesday for the Thursday release, and this morning uh, I get done with my radio show on Sirius XM, and I read the news that we have lost Mean Gene Okerlund. Mean Gene's contributions to wrestling in general can't really be overstated. You know, one of the things that I like to do working with WWE is every time I get a WWE microphone in my hand, I just look down at my hand. And as corny as it sounds, I look down at my hand and I look at my hand holding the mic with the WWE mic flag on it and I think of everything that that microphone always represented, even back when it had a WWF logo as a kid. And the reason that that microphone represented as much as it did is because of Mean Gene Okerlund. I think for a lot of us that are of the same generation, Mean Gene was the voice that put all the pictures together in in WWE, 
later in WCW, but really his work, and of course in AWA before that, but his work in WWE, WWF was what really put him on the map and, and, and helped put wrestling on the map. Mean Gene had a very rare talent in the sense that he had a name like that. He had a presence and a voice and an ability that made him a household name. But his goal was clearly always to get over whoever he was interviewing. He did what every good announcer should do, and that's to get the talent over that they're talking to. And he did it every single time. He did it from his backstage interview segments. He did it on the stage. There was a time when WWE's main TV, at least that I watched, was Superstars of Wrestling and Wrestling Challenge on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. It was the syndicated shows. And this was before big names. Forget about main event level matches being on TV. The big names, the biggest names wouldn't even wrestle on TV. You wouldn't really see the champion of the world wrestling on an episode of WWF Superstars. You would see some of the other talent in action against uh, preliminary guys, against extra talent, as it were. But you knew it was a main event show. You knew it was a, a, a can't-miss show when they announced that next week a star like Hulk Hogan or The Ultimate Warrior or Macho Man Randy Savage or, or the Legion of Doom even would be taking part in a special interview. And that meant that these stars were going to come out on stage and they were going to partake in an interview on that platform in front of the audience with Mean Gene Okerlund. And every time Mean Gene delivered, I mean, we all have our favorite moments. It was Mean Gene that welcomed Ric Flair in after he won the 1992 Royal Rumble. He had a man put out a cigarette so Ric Flair could let the world know that with a tear in his eye, this was the greatest moment in his career. He he was he felt like a fixture in the WWF until he eventually left the WWF and went over to WCW, where I feel like he became most famous for uh, plugging that hotline, advertising that hotline. But you know, in WCW, he also uh, was the guy doing interviews backstage and the guy doing interviews in front of the audience. Mean woo, by God, Gene. Ric Flair, it became, it, it just it just rolled off the tongue. It was something you looked forward, you looked forward to every single week. Um, I don't know that anybody in that position will ever be looked at as more of a standard than Mean Gene Okerlund. I mean, Mean Gene is the quintessential wrestling interviewer. Before any of us were doing this, before, you know, it was a thing. It was mean Gene Okerlund. And it was him, and it was a microphone, and they said, Gene, you've got Hulk Hogan. you got Macho Man Randy Savage. And the stuff that they would throw at mean Gene, the stuff you would have to deal with with Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man throwing out, uh, bringing out every, every uh, uh, prop that he could possibly find. My very dear, close, personal, longtime friend, Hulk Hogan. The things that they would yell at Gene, and you would watch him go through Mean Gene Okerlund interviews. He would, when these things didn't make sense, he would do everything humanly possible to make sense of what was going on. Go to WrestleMania 6. 
I want to see. No, WrestleMania 7. And watch Mean Gene's interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. Brilliant. Brilliant. As a, as a, as a, the, the stuff that he did with Bobby the Brain Heenan going back and forth. Of course, what about all the vignettes that he did on Coliseum Video? The stuff he did with the Bushwhackers, the Toys R Us commercials. Everything. Everything. I mean, Mean Gene was as much of an icon as anybody could be. And at the end of the day, in the role that he was in, in backstage interview territory, Mean Gene Okerlund was simply and will always be the greatest of all time. And I don't even think you can argue that. Um, and he did wrestling stuff, you know, up until he was gone, up until very, very recently. He's been doing stuff with WWE, whether it's home video stuff or other television stuff. I mean, wrestling was his life, and, and we were lucky to have gotten to share that life. So rest in peace to Mean Gene Okerlund. Really sad to see him go, but I'm glad that, that this week, and it should be every week, but this week specifically we're celebrating the life that was Mean Gene Okerlund because it should be a celebration. You really, When you're the greatest of all time at what you do, you deserve to be celebrated. Speaking of the greatest of all time, how's that for a segue? Uh, my guest this week is a, a young man who thinks he already is the greatest of all time, according to some people. Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Uh, he's only been wrestling for like three years. That's it. But in that three years has made a tremendous amount of impact. Um, if you have any sort of awareness of the independents, specifically the East Coast Indies, but he has traveled throughout the country and I think throughout the world at this point, uh, you know who MJF is. Look him up if you don't. He had the opening match on All In, which was a big, big deal. I think for for All In, it was really, it was Joey Janela, and it, who we've had on the podcast, and it was MJF who really got the opportunity to shine in a pretty major, major way. Um, and I've known MJF for, for quite some time. I knew him. He, he went to s school at Creative Pro that's taught by Kurt Hawkins and Pat Buck. And he'd be at WrestlePro all the time from the time he was a student. And so, you know, I'd watch him. And, and I don't remember a time thinking like, oh, this kid will get it someday. From the time I saw him wrestling, I was like, this is, a, he's there. He's a wrestler. This, this is not a kid who is learning. This is a person who is a wrestler. And I think MJF believed that himself and took that forward and has just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it to the point where he had the opening match on the pay-per-view all in this year. He was on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. He's held titles in, in CZW and MLW all over the place. And now he's in a position where I really think over the next year or two, the world's going to be his oyster. You know, I see him as a high prospect for an organization like Ring of Honor who needs to rebuild their, their, uh, their group right now, their federation, as it were, their promotion uh, with the elite leaving. You know, MJF would be a great uh, addition there. Impact, who is is figuring out who they are right now. Uh, even New Japan. You know, I think having MJF as an American heel in New Japan could be tremendous. 
let's not pretend that NXT isn't isn't constantly bringing in new people and, and a place where that could benefit from having uh, MJF there. And of course, it goes without saying, after the guy had the performance of a lifetime and a very short lifetime, as he's a very young man, at All In, that All Elite Wrestling is not a huge potential win. And the fact that it is about to exist is not a huge potential win for a guy like MJF. I wanted to start 2019 with a guest on the podcast that is all about future potential. I want today's show to be all about looking forward into 2019 and beyond. And as we look into 2019 and beyond, you cannot talk about wrestling without talking about MJF. So here he is. On the podcast, on Not Sam Wrestling this week for the very first time, ladies and gentlemen, it's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, a.k.a. MJF. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. For the first time on Not Sam Wrestling, finally in the Not Sam studio, I am uh, blessed, I would say. Accurate. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, somebody who had one of the best 2018s that a person, especially in wrestling, could probably have. MJF is here. Oh, What's yeah, going yeah. on? Bit Maxwell an, Jacob Friedman. Yeah, bit of an understatement there, but I'll take it. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's go over your 2018. Please, please. All in. Yeah. That's probably number one. Sure, sure. Stone Cold Podcast. That's a huge, huge I don't want. I don't want to talk about that. that you don't schmuck. like the, Steve, let's right. not talk about Steve. Well, you don't want to put, put over. No. Other, no, other he doesn't wrestlers. deserve it. I see. Continue. continue. Okay. I'm enjoying this list. This I'm, is a fun list. I mean, watching you in in MLW, sure, CZW, sure, Beyond. Mm. I mean, everywhere. I mean, literally, literally, uh, coast to coast, across the border and across the pond. I'm not going to lie to you, Sam. Mm-hmm. Please don't. When I was told that I was going to have to do this interview, I wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> Who told you you were going to okay. have to? So uh, uh, you, you don't act like you weren't the one that talked to my publicist. We're, we're, oh, we're right, both right, fully right. aware of what happened here. Right. And uh, she came to me. She said, uh, look, I, I need you to do this podcast. He's offering us a decent chunk of change for you to make an appearance. And People said, don't know. A lot of wrestlers don't realize I'm paying for interviews. I wish you wouldn't blow me up like that. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Let's face facts here. It's not like it's an awful lot of money. I'm kind of pretty much doing you a huge solid right now. I appreciate it. But uh, so she she confronted me. She said, I really need you to do this podcast. And I said, look, I've heard this bozo before. He walks up to people. He says, what's the haps? That's true. Not a real phrase. Completely idiotic. Kind of looks like a, you know, life-size troll doll. But then she goes, you know what? Maybe it's not a good idea because I heard a rumor. Uh And I go, I go, oh, okay. Now, now I'm intrigued. She goes, well. I heard that this man was asked by uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder to lend some money for a uh, a toy drive. Uh-huh. And I said, ugh, please tell me he didn't give money to snot-nosed brats. I right. mean, that would disgust me. Uh-huh. And she said, no, the issue is that he, he didn't. That's true. I and I said, I said, I'll absolutely oh, do this good. podcast. Because who wants to give handouts like that to right. poor children? Right. They don't deserve it. And Work for your money, Sam. And, and, Work for it. And for, uh, first of all, that's true. Yeah. And second of all, for the record, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they said on their podcast, Hey, we're doing a charity thing. Sure. And then after it was over, they were like, "Hey, we asked Sam, and he didn't give us anything." And yeah. I was like, "I, I got nothing to do with you guys." Look, who? Okay, first of all, again, not trying to put over. No, no, no. They don't look the the Majors Brothers. Uh, what is it? Is that what it's called? The Major Brothers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pod Paget. That's uh, it. it. It's a decent little product, but at the end of the day, to to ask somebody to take money out of their pocket, right? And give it to somebody you don't even know because what? They don't have toys for Christmas? Right. 
Who cares? That's actually a who good cares? point. Is it is it is it your problem? No, I know no, it's not no. my problem. It's certainly not my problem. So that's why I was excited to come here because me and you were one and the same, Sam. Yeah, one I'm the same. Think that that's good. Um, but I'll probably have to uh, start asking you to do a lot of my talking for me. You oh, made no. that. I feel like you made that sound better than I could have. Really? I think so. I mean, look, I'm always here to defend, but once again, that also comes with a fee. And if you'd like to talk to my publicist after this kinda, is all said and done, I kind of blew the whole 2019 not Sam budget on this. <laughs> this already. interview. It's done. I, I figured. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. Well, look, MJF. Do you have a highlight? Do are you the type that goes back? And looks at a year and goes like, yeah, that was the highlight or that's what I reflect upon. Or do you just constantly move forward? It's hard to take a step back when you have a rocket uh, pack just strapped on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. Just being able to look back with all the intensity, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for for sure. But when I do have the time, and I don't have much time, Sam, as you know, I'm a very busy busy, human being. Super busy. But when I do have the time to look back, I think to myself, okay, MJF, you are quite possibly... Let's scratch that. I'm Don't being be humble. Modest. I'm honestly, yeah. I am. I'm yeah. being very modest. You are the youngest and fastest rising star in professional wrestling today. Hmm. I mean, going into this year, 2019, I it's very reminiscent of when I was just getting out of high school when I played football. Uh, not that that was all that long ago, but uh, I'm 22. Just just in case you didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, younger than Leo Rush. Uh, the bottom line was was I had a lot of offers and a lot of scholarships thrown my way, mm-hmm. and I could have went. E- Anywhere I really wanted to go. Um, I had broken pretty much every single tackling record there was, uh, not just in my school, but in all of Long Island. And I find myself in that exact situation now. Everybody's asking on on social media, on all these platforms, MJF, he's been everywhere. What is he going to do next? There's all these different promotions that are offering him, potentially offering him contracts. You know, I'm, I'm saying potentially. And there's so many different avenues I can go. And everybody wants to know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And the, the news flash is it's none of your business. Uh, but uh, you will most certainly find out because that's it, just how it works, right? Yeah, You're just going to see me pop up somewhere and you're going to go, oh, okay. But, uh, that's true. That's the way it worked for All In. I didn't know you were going to be on All In, and then absolutely. all of a sudden there you are on pay-per-view. Yeah, that's how I operate. You know, a lot of people, they don't understand uh, the significance of mystique, and with mystique comes silence. If I, I go see. around and I go, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you better believe this is happening next. No, that's not as exciting as when I pop up, because I could literally pop up anywhere, in any company, on any part of the planet. Uh-huh. So you're saying what you're known for is not talking? Well, f- now hold on a second. Not talking and not giving away my next move. I see. I move I move in silence, but once I get to that destination, yeah, I'm going to be screaming about it at the top of the rooftops. I see. Do you understand what I'm, I'm saying? 100%. A lot of 100%. people, a lot of people they like to go, this is happening, that thing, one and the other. I don't do that until it happens, and once it does happen, yeah, I'm going to talk about it because right. I'm amazing at what I do. Now, let me ask you. You're a young man, as you just said, 22 years old. It's yep. crazy to be in the position that you're in at your age. Um, you, you, you trained at the, did you train at, was it Creative Pro when you trained there? Yeah, Creative yeah. Pro Wrestling with, uh, Pat Buck and Kurt Hawkins. Right, right. So, and that was, you're the first big, or you're the biggest star, I would say. I mean, yeah. To come out of Creative Pro for sure. Landslide. But, right. you know, we don't right. want to disrespect the rest of the people of that course go not. there. Of course not. I will tell you this, Creative Pro Wrestling, if you live in the metropolitan area, mm-hmm. there is no other option to go as far as, uh, wrestling schools go. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be in the position I'm in today 
without Create a Pro. And that's a fact. Granted, did I have this God-given a talent to grab a microphone and make people not just go to the edge of their chair, but to fall off of it and break their ass? Yes, I already had that. Yeah. But I needed to understand how to acquire the skill bell to bell, which now everybody can obviously admit and agree that I'm one of the best, most well-rounded professional athletes in the sport today uh-huh. and honestly you have to give it up to Kurt Hawkins and Pat Buck at uh, the Creative Pro Wrestling Academy absolutely I will say until I'm blue in the face Kurt Hawkins is a lousy action figure collector but a great pro wrestler and trainer I don't collect children's toys but right. I'll take your word for it right right You'll, you, uh, yeah you keep your money you buy things like Cars, expensive clothes, sure. things like that. Giant houses. Sure. I get that. If I want to get risky, maybe a penny stock, but really not much more right, than that. Right, sure. That's your idea of a, of a wild time. I mean, that that's a fun night out, if right. you ask me. I, I don't see. know about you. I see. So you're at, how long are you at Create-A-Pro before you start realizing that the people at Create-A-Pro start realizing, like, wow, this is moving really fast for this kid. I mean, probably right away. I mean, I really took to it like a fish takes to water. It and how really old are you when you start? For me. I started when I was 19. Again, we're talking three years ago. Sure, sure. I've been wrestling now for three years. And that's like no time based on what you've accomplished. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a no-brainer. I mean, look at me, listen to me talk, watch me wrestle. Right. And that's exactly what happened when I stepped through uh, the hollowed halls of CAP. Uh, it became very apparent to both of my trainers that uh, God put me on this planet for one particular reason, and it was to become a professional wrestler. So when you're when you're training like that and you start advancing quickly, how do the other students in class react to that? Like uh, when when they they go, are, is it an in, is does it make them insecure? Are they just like cool? We're glad to have somebody good in class. Like what's what's I mean, the vibe like? Look. Jealousy is going to happen organically. Yeah. Did I have a Lambo or two keyed because I'd tell people I was clearly the best in my class? Maybe. You told him that. Look, do I do I look like a liar to you, Sam? No, Am I no, somebody no, no. who would ever lie or go by? No, I'm no. always very upfront and very honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's what I would do. So look, at first it was a bit of a bumpy ride, but once they realize there's really nothing you can do about it, right. you kind of just grin and bear it. So does that happen where they go, because when you meet somebody who's, I was going to say with an ego, but I'll say respectfully, who's confident in their abilities, yeah. especially at a young age. Yeah, I hate that word ego. I just never quite understood it. Right. If right. you're good, you're good. It's right. just that simple. Right. But when you meet somebody who's confident in their abilities at a very young age, there is there are people, especially if you're uh, peers with that person, waiting for them to fall on their face. Wanting, I don't want to be around that person. Almost wanting to sabotage that yeah, person. Yeah, the issue right? is I have perfect balance. I'm incapable of falling down. Well, that's the issue is mm. that, that eventually if the skill starts to be – starts to back up all these statements being made – you're kind of screwed, yeah. Because there's always there. Sure, there's always going to be people, and I think that's where ego kicks in. Is the people that show up and they start doing all the talking, but they don't have perfect balance. No, and they do fall on their face. And I'm sure you've seen that before. It's sad. Yeah, it's sad. It truly yeah. is. Because you don't relate to that. I, and I never could. Right. I mean, I was literally born and bred just to be better than everyone else. And that's not like, that's not me like attacking you, the viewer or the listener. It's just straight facts. I see. I see. So you played football in high school. Yes, I did. Did you have a, did you think that you were going to do that professionally? What had occurred was I had been offered all these uh, pretty much full rides. Uh, I had went to a school, which legally I cannot name. Why not? Um, well, uh, unfortunately, what had occurred was I had went to the coach, mm-hmm. and I said, eh, this isn't for me. 
And he, he well, we're thinking about starting you as a freshman. This is a very big deal. Don't you understand? And internally, I knew what I had to do and what I had to do as professional wrestling because I grew up watching and idolizing guys like Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, Tully Blanchard, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. The list goes on and on. Uh, Which is, by the way, an amazing list for somebody your age. Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? Most 22-year-olds are not sitting there with Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert tapes. We'll, we'll get to the issue with people of my generation later on. Oh, good, good. And what, what occurred was the coach wasn't too happy, so mm-hmm. he said, well, we can't allow that. And in walked a six foot seven, most likely, offensive line lineman. Let's just call him Sal, because obviously I can't legally say his name. Mm-hmm. And he followed me around everywhere. And uh, eventually what it come to was I had to wait at like the like very late. We're talking like in, incredibly late. Uh, he finally went to sleep, and he followed me for two days straight, wherever I went. Bathroom, locker room, uh, if I was going to go hang out with a girl, he followed me everywhere. So I just waited, and I got in my car, and I drove all the way home, got out of my car. I looked at both of my parents, and uh, I said, hey, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Obviously, both their responses as Jewish parents wasn't, oh, great. <laughs> right. That's right. fantastic. Right. Because because um, you're not going to them because the pitch, the, 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 the beauty of football is that you don't have to convince your parents I'm going to be a pro football player. You're going, I'm going to play football, but in their minds, you're getting a free education. Getting a free education, precisely. So now I was trading getting a free education, according to my mother, to get hit in the head with steel chairs and barbed wire, what have you. But I think it became very apparent to them, just like it became very apparent to anybody else who was in my life when I started training, that they had nothing to worry about. Because you were taking it very, very seriously from the jump. Absolutely, incredibly seriously. And and you had to, right? Because to, to... you know, there's that thing about like having nothing to lose is not always a great thing. Like when when you've gotten yourself to the point where you have a lot to lose in the sense that you have your entire pride to lose. You I mean, just made Here's what happens. If sure. you fail at wrestling, you've made the stupidest decision in your life. If you don't fail at wrestling, you've got this amazing story of knowing that you were bred to succeed. Absolutely. And so you've got no choice but to succeed, otherwise yeah. you're a fool. Well, let's not like act that I'm like some blue collar schmuck that doesn't have money in the in the back just in case this doesn't all go oh good oh, go okay. right okay but yeah you could say i'm an american hero you can say i'm living with, the american dream and following it yeah, an sure. american hero with a trust fund absolutely I I, you know what i couldn't have put it better myself sam i'm I liking see. you i'm liking oh, good, you good, you're good. not an attractive man okay you didn't by need any to bring means that up. but i like you yeah we didn't need to for sure go there but but so how far into training did you feel like i'm ready to start the wrestling, because really there are people who spend three years training before they sure. have any real matches of note. Which is very accurate. There are a lot of guys that I have uh, come come around on the independent level, even when I do TV, where they said uh, we didn't even have our first match until we were two years, three years in. Uh, I had my first match when I was three months in, uh, and it was amazing. Great match. So, oh, dude. It was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, if, if we want to get serious, I would look in this camera and say, my first match is probably better than most people's, like, who 200. Who was the match with? Uh, I was in a tag team match. It was mm-hmm. me. And uh, at my at the time, I was tagging with a guy by the name of Bear Bronson. Okay. And we were tagging against uh, two students mm-hmm. who quit, because that's what happens in wrestling. Uh-huh. And it was, it was a great match. And then, like, 
two months went by and they were just like, eh, wrestling's hard, and they quit. But that, but that's evidence that it's not like you were in this match with somebody that was able to carry you through a great <laughs> no, match. No, no. Right, it right. was all very, very, very new students. Yeah. Wow. wow. Which is, that to me is really intelligent by Hawkins and Pat. Because, okay, if you throw somebody in there with somebody who's this amazing talent, like myself, mm-hmm. and and they're just, I'm not, I'm not going to say helping you succeed because at the end of the day we're, we're all trying to win we're all trying to make money of course but still you might be taking it easier on them because you know they're new to the sport and you're obviously you're looking to beat them but you're not looking to murder them mm-hmm. but when you throw somebody in into the trenches um into the big deep blue without you know uh what the heck is that thing safety called? Net? I've, I, I, I don't. Is that what it's called? Uh, they, you, yeah, For water, they a safety f- net? No, you put on this big jacket thing. Look, I'm it's, not a scuba diver. Remember, I'm last professional broadcaster. Yeah, honestly, Sam, you and I both. I've never gone scuba diving. Neither for what? I don't get. We it. have hard so land now, to walk now on. Now skiing in luge. That's your. That's thing? another thing. You like that? You like that's winter sports? Thing. I see. Absolutely. Yeah. But back to the topic at hand. Yeah. When you throw somebody in that scenario, they only have two options. Mm-hmm. You know, you can swim. Mm-hmm. You could swim elegantly. Or you could drown and die. And I swam like an Olympic gold medalist. You right. know? And some people just don't do that when they dive deep in. Right. You just happen to be able to have that skill. 100%. So when do you start leaving training and going, okay, I'm just I'm a full-time wrestler now? Um See, it was it was interesting for me. Year 1, while I did while a lot of stuff did happen in my first year of wrestling, it was a lot of me getting uh in my car and driving to these shows, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is a joke because I, I didn't want to offend anybody. So I didn't take my, my traveler jet. I just, I got in these cars, I yeah. drove to these shows and I showed face and I would, I would help around as much as I possibly could. Granted, I would gr- hold a broom and like pretend I was sweeping, but you're not going to to the naked eye. It right. looks like I'm doing something, Sam. And but you're not bred for manual labor. Jesus Christ. No, it's not where you come from. No. Right. No. Right. Does right. it look like I am Sam? No, you, Please know, don't you look fantastic. Me. You pulled up in your Beamer. I mean, it was amazing. And, uh, what would happen is they'd give me an opportunity and, and, I would go in there and I would kill it and then they'd say, okay, we're going to use this guy on a regular basis. That happened in a ton of different promotions in the Northeast and then it floated over to the Midwest and now it's pretty much floated over everywhere. Right. So it was it was just the reputation built very, very quickly. Yes. Wow. And, and at what point did your parents start to go, okay, because it's one thing for parents to say, he's good at this, he's taking it seriously. It's another thing for parents to go, he could make a living doing this. This sure. is a life that he could do. Have they gotten there yet? Well, now I am making a living off of it. Right. So now they're, now they're, they they're don't have an board. issue with it at all. Yeah, right. They're completely right. on board, uh, which is pretty pretty crazy. I mean, I, I'd have to give a shout out to my parents. They they raised an amazing kid, obviously. Right, I was just thinking but that. But also, the, the support that I have, a lot of people, and again, this is something that jealousy might come behind of, a lot of people don't have that support system. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have two parents that are, that, look, were they hesitant? Absolutely. I think anybody's parents would have been, uh, especially somebody who grew up the way I did. But they're now backing me 110%. They want to see me succeed, and they love the fact that I'm loving what I'm doing. And it's really cool to have that support system. Yeah, and I would imagine seeing you on pay-per-view was kind of... Well, my, my parents were in the building for They a while. were. Yes. And yes. so when they when they see you doing that, is that clearly they haven't seen you because you haven't done anything on that scale. Sure. But when you're able tell me about that scale. When you go out there, you know, you've had all this uh training as it were, and by training I don't mean school, I mean all the matches that you've had. But they've all had crowds of various sizes, but nothing 
remotely comparable to 10,000, right? Sure. 10,000. What would you say is your biggest crowd you've performed in front of before 10,000? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I had done uh, Janela's Spring Break okay. prior to that, and I had So it's a, what, MLW two, shows. three thousand? Yeah, two, three. Okay. Maybe, maybe like, there's some WrestlePro shows that le legitimately, if you pack out that Rawway Rec Center, it's a lot of people as well. Yeah. Um, I, I had done big shows, but to that magnitude, um, it was interesting sitting in the locker room with guys who have been wrestling 10, 12, 15 years yeah. at All In, and they were saying, holy shit, this is a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. people. And I'm sitting there like, okay, okay. So. You weren't, you didn't really think about it. I was, I didn't, I don't know if I was trying not to think about it. Uh -huh. All I was concerned with was showing the world who MJF is and what MJF's all about. Now, do they at All In, are they talking to you about where cameras are and playing to this camera and that camera? Like, is that something you're aware of? I had one discussion and it was with Cody Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And I had walked up to him. This was before the match. I said, is there anything you would like for me specifically? And he said, I brought you here for a reason. And that was the conversation. He said, just stick to the amount of time that is allotted if you go over the time. I don't care. I'll have the ref ring the You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But that, right, was, right. that was a speech that was given to anybody. Right. And <laughs> after the match was over, I walk up to Cody. I go, did you see it? He stopped me again. He goes... Brought you here for a reason. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And it, and it's it's crazy that somebody like him and somebody like the Bucks were, were A, uh, were willing to give me that opportunity. Uh -huh. And and B, had that trust in me, considering I've only been doing this for three years. Which is telling. But it's also telling of their character. Right. And them as human beings. Um, that opportunity meant a lot to me. But that opportunity was earned. And I think that a lot of people might struggle with that, but I was like killing my, I've, I have literally wrestled nearly every single top tier independent promotion in the world, uh, us now, UK, Canada, I've been all over the place, but like the most goosebumps I ever had, because the second my music hit, my match wasn't announced mm. the second my music hit and the second they showed the Burberry Tron with MJF on it. They rained down booze. Right. Rain them down. They knew damn well who I was. Well, that's what, and I was watching, and we did a post show. I was watching with Pat Buck, and we were watching at home, and we, I pointed out to Pat, or Pat, whatever, we agreed that what was great about that is that even three years in, you were able to communicate to not just the audience, some of whom knew you, some of you did not know who you were, but the audience at home, and I would assume the audience at home a lot didn't know who you sure. were. But immediately we know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, what's the story being told. Like, we know... I don't think I'm a bad guy, Sam. But... I don't think so either. Okay. But, but we understood why there was a an attraction to booing you. Absolutely. And that was my thing. I was like, what is going to happen when my music plays? Right. Are they going to know? And there was a rain of booze before I go through the curtain. And once I went through the curtain, for the people who might not have been aware, I, I got them to, to understand what I'm right. all about real quick. Right. Real quick. And that's something I've always took great pride in. And back to the generational thing, I think there's this weird struggle now mm -hmm. where I can, I can, if you walk up to me and you say, MJF, what are you all about? I'm going to say, you know what I'm all about? I'm all about being better than you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Instantly. If, if I walk up to somebody in my age group, my demographic, my experience level, and I say, what are you all about? They're not going to have an answer. They don't know who they are yet, mm -hmm. which you know what? C cool. You know, it, it's, it's. 
wrestling is supposed to be a carnival act. You're supposed to have every single flavor of ice cream, and it's awesome. Uh, but if every single match, if every single match is super kicks, which, by the way, why are you doing that? Because the Young Bucks are already doing it. They're doing it better than you. Right. If every single match is a Canadian destroyer, why are you doing that? Petey Williams is better. Already is doing it. You know? If every single match is cutters, you know, I'm, I've heard Randy Orton, that was a pretty good cutter. I don't know if you've heard of the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's it, great. It's, it gets boring. Right. And that's why... And it's almost like you're cheering for the move, right? Like, when, when a young guy throws a super kick... It's almost like if you're cheering, you're cheering for the Young Bucks. Sure. When a young guy throws a cutter, you're cheering for the Randy Orton's move. If a chop is thrown, what do you hear? Woo. You hear woo. Right. You don't hear, go, guy who just threw that chop. Right. You hear woo. Right. You need, and I don't understand why nobody understands this, I'm one of a kind. I'm a gem. You are. I'm not trying to be anybody. Right. And I think everybody should try to patent themselves after that. Everybody should be their self turned up to 100. I hate to quote Steven. I hate Steven, but that is a quote he said, and it's mm. completely accurate to me. Mm. And that is something I pride myself in. I'm not going out there to entertain you. Allow me to make that very clear. Wow. I don't care what you think. Wow. I, don't, I really don't care. All I care about is winning and making my money. I'm not going out there to be Circus Soleil. I'm going out there to win a match. Right. Uh, and that's what I loved about guys, like I mentioned earlier, Piper, Flair, Tully. I mean, I, I can go on and on, Chris Candido, there are so many people who have influenced me. So when did you start watching wrestling? Oh, man. Uh, the, the first match in full I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, the first blip I saw was it was like a SmackDown show, I think. And I saw like Kane, kind of. And this is me trying to remember. I was like six or seven. Right. right. But then after that, I was so enamored by it. And my uncle had put it on the TV when we were, when we were over his house for dinner. Uh, Alan Weissman, how are you doing? Um, and I said, I grabbed him Uh and I'm a, I'm a small, you know, young man at this point. I grabbed him. I said, what was that? Cause I want more of it. And he said, that's wrestling. And I said, oh, and I ran up to my dad and I said, we got to go to Hollywood video like right now. (laughs) And my my dad was like, we're we're kind of eating here, Max. So like, hold this one off. Okay, Maxwell. I was like, whatever dad. Uh, and then I went off, I had my caviar and my, I'm not going to say what else I had. I don't want to offend everybody with what I'm eating. But you did have caviar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some steak. You know what? Should I just list off everything that was you there? There can. was some garlic mash and uh, some wow. really solid cream spinach. And all right, I, and I'll this continue. is just an average night. I mean, yeah. Okay. Come on. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, that's how the Freedmans do it. Right. And the next day, my dad drove me to Hollywood Video. I picked up this DVD, and there was this scary-looking zombie man on the cover of it, mm-hmm. which I would later turn out to be The Undertaker. I have no idea who it was. <laughs> At least it wasn't the ECW zombie. Sure. Could have I been mean, him. It, that very well, it could have been him. Very famous, that guy. Yeah. Almost, some might say almost as famous as The Undertaker. I think so. <laughs> some. I've, got, I've got all the DVDs with ECW zombie on the cover. There you go. Yeah. A uh, man of many matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I pop in this uh, little DVD disc tape, and I'm like, okay. I look at the back, there's a menu, and it says, Hell in a Cell match. I go, that sounds interesting. So the first match I ever watched in full was Undertaker versus Mankind in the Hell in a Cell. So right off the bat, I'm like, this is the most insane thing I have ever seen. Right. Both these men are crazy. By the way, for a guy that would end up wrestling in CZW. Sure, kind of sure. Fitting, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and honestly, I, I remember going into my match with Joey Janela and looking at that top, you know, because we had pretty much fallen off off the top of... The building. There was a, 
I forget how you would even phrase this. You have the bottom floor and eh, let's just call it the second floor, whatever. Like a balcony? balcony? Balcony, exactly. Yeah. And I looked at that and I said, I'm going to. new th- jack position. Yeah. I yeah. said, I'm going to throw Joey Janelle off this balcony because I hate him and his brain's fried and I, I want him dead. Right. And he's been in here in the studio, by the way. He sat in that chair. I'm sorry. You should probably <laughs> clean this chair. Okay. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. We both fell down at the same time, mm-hmm. which is, you know, but I came out unscathed, mm-hmm. thank God. And I won the match. Duh. But, <laughs> you know, these, there's obviously things in wrestling that you see at a young age that is going to make you, like, enamored by it. And mm-hmm. that, that match, it totally hooked me in. And then after that, I, I knew I was going to be a fan for life. Mm-hmm. And the moment I knew I wanted to be a professional wrestler, I was at Madison Square Garden. Um, it was the very first Elimination Chamber. Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Elimination yeah. Chamber yeah, yeah, match yeah. at Survivor, at Series, Survivor the Series. The one that Do you know what won. year that was? Uh, I'd like to say 2000. It was the early. It was the first half of the first decade of the 2000s for okay. sure. And maybe and, 2003 or two. Yeah. I just remember Shawn Michaels with the little Dutch boy haircut and yes. the brown tights. Yes. Hard to forget. Yes. And he wins the match with cowboy boots, right, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hits the pose, uh-huh. and I look to my left and I look to my right, and everybody's standing, uh-huh. and everybody's clapping, and everybody's freaking out. And I remember tugging my dad, and I look at him, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that. And he laughed. He was like, okay. i like, all right, all right. And I knew deep down after that, I was like, I can do that. I want to be able to make everyone in a room stare at me and not want to look at anything else and unlike everybody else on the scene today you'll see matches people will be on their phones that doesn't right. happen during an MJF match right it just won't happen right and that's something I take pride in that's interesting because about uh, probably eight years before that Survivor Series it was probably yeah probably Survivor Series 2002 so maybe six years before that at Survivor Series 1996 I was there watching Shawn Michaels mm. lose the WWE <laughs> Championship to Psycho Sid. Yep. But I was sitting next to my dad, dressed head to toe as Gold Dust, and my dad was just sitting there going, "Like I don't, I don't know what, what I'm am I doing, doing here. What am I, what am I doing?" Rest assured, my incredibly affluent father had no idea what he was doing. Here <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. So you are not alone, <laughs> Sam. You are not alone. We got so much more with MJF to get to, but I need to tell you about Seat Geek. You guys hear about Seat Geek all the time here on Not Sam Wrestling. One of my absolute favorite sponsors because what they do applies to all of us. They make it easier for us to see the things that we want to see. You all want to go to the wrestling shows. You want to see guys like MJF live and in the flesh. You want to go to NXT Phoenix, NXT TakeOver Phoenix. You want to go to the Royal Rumble. You want to go to all these shows. But finding tickets online is next to impossible. You never know if they're real. You never know where they are. You never know if you're getting the best deal. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. They pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, which means you can shop with confidence on SeatGeek. And when you make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source, you can get tickets to everything. Sports, concerts, comedy, theater, whatever you want. I've got the app on my phone. It's amazing. It knows where I am. It tells me all the events that are happening nearby. I click to whatever one I want to go to, or I search one that's not nearby me. A seating chart comes up. They show me all the tickets that are available. They give me the value, green, yellow, red. I can sit up front. I can sit way back. I can get the best deal. Whatever I want to do. SeatGeek makes it easy, and I'm about to make it even easier for you. $10 off. How does that sound? Yes. 
If you're listening to Not Sam Wrestling right now, you're getting $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets back to MJF. But how does one go from, okay, it's the 2000s, you know, you're coming in at a weird time because I was a tape trader and I know that that's right when tape trading started to kind of go away mm. because digital was coming in, DVD was coming in, it was replaced really quickly by YouTube. How does one at your age go from like late 90s, early 2000s, I'm just getting on board with this, figuring out who everybody is, to I know the kind of history that you just listed? Mm. Like where, what do you, at what point do you start devouring content? Where do you get the content? What is it? I just remember I was in this great abyss of YouTube, which happens to everybody. Yeah. And I'm watching, you know, stuff at the time, stuff at the times, and then out of nowhere, I, I see like this, this photograph of a dude in a kilt, and he's sitting down on a couch, mm-hmm. and his feet are up on a stool, mm-hmm. and I'm like, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. And I clicked on it, and this fucking, I'm sorry, I don't want to Go ahead. This. This guy's chewing gum, uh-huh. and he's being incredibly ridiculously rude. And there's a British guy next to him, and he keeps trying to talk talk to him. And and he's shut up, you know. And there's another guy who seems like it might be his boss, and he's trying to talk to him. He's telling the other guy it's about. It was all about him. And I wanted. I literally. I was like, oh my god, this is getting me riled up. Right. Like I want to punch this guy in the face. Right. And I like that feeling. It's awesome. Right. It's awesome. Right. And I was like, I want to do that. Because you recognized immediately, you went one step beyond your feeling of, I want to punch this guy in the face, to, oh my God, that guy just did something that makes me want to punch him in the face. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Then that's a job. That's that's a thing that people do. That's not just a job. That's my high. Right. People, if they, you know, if you want to do your thing, man, Mm -hmm. do whatever, whatever gets you going, do your thing. You know what gets me going? I love when I hear stories. And I, first of all, I've had fans swing on me. Which is hysterical because you're all very small and frail compared to me. But I've had right. fans swing on right. me. You're so professional that, wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I love the idea that there's a guy coming to the show and he's looking at his, at his friend. He's going, this stuff's fake. I don't care about this. This is BS. Mm-hmm. Sitting down. He doesn't care about any of the matches. He's on his phone the whole entire night. And then I come out mm-hmm. and I got grab a microphone. And this guy wants to kill me now. Mm-hmm. This is real to him now, mm-hmm. as it should be, because I'm no joke. I'm not fake. I'm genuine. Nobody's more clearly. genuine than me. Very clearly. Yeah. And this guy wants to hit me so bad, and he goes home. He gets in his car. He gets in his bed, and he's going, I'm going to go to that show again, and I want to see this guy get beat so bad. And then he goes again, and he tells his friend, all these other guys are BSing. That guy... That guy's legit, and I want that guy dead. That, right. That is what I love about professional wrestling, mm-hmm. and I and I wish more people loved that about professional <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I watch Memphis and Global Force and AWA, and like that's what I watch uh-huh. uh, off the network. Like the, the WWE product right now is all like yo. Anyone who sits on this chair and looks at you and is like WWE, like okay, dude, it's it's. It's right now, currently, mm-hmm. present day. Mm-hmm. That's the top product. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right, a hundred percent. So, but for me, I always, always, always prefer just watching the that old school, old school, old school, right. old school wrestling. Which is interesting because, like, 
I get that for me and people of my generation because part of it is a nostalgia. It's like this is what we grew up with, so I'm going to turn on Tuesday Night Titans because I remember when I was a little kid, Tuesday Night Titans was on. But for you, who Tuesday Night Titans has been off the air over 10 years before you're even born, <laughs> sure. the fact that you go back and you're like, no, this is my stuff too. Yeah. Kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a kind of amazing guy, Sam. I guess so. What, what, what do you expect? I guess so. So, you and well, do you know why you were the guy that the guys at All In selected? Other than the fact that you're very, very good. I, I mean, just, just the idea that, like, most... Most of the people at All In, you could go, well, either that's somebody that they is part of this thing, right? Somebody that they work with, somebody that creatively they collaborate with, they wrestle with, whatever. Or it's one of the best non-WWE wrestlers in the world. Clearly, they're going to be at All In. Sure. And you're the one who's like, you get the one spot mm. for a young guy, right? I yeah, mean, there wasn't any was other. Me. There was. It was you, me, and I, I guess you can count Marco if you count that. Sure, thing. sure, yeah. sure. But Marco, even like we know, I think you know what Marco was like. Yeah. He had his match with Janela at, at sure. Janela's show, and it was like, whoa, who's this? Who's this guy that looks like a little yeah. kid? That's amazing. Who's this frail little boy? Right. Everybody wanted to know who the frail little boy was. Exactly. Yes. And exactly. Now the frail little boy's legs broken. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, because he know? was a frail little boy. <laughs> Marco, if you're listening to this. Don't get hot. It's the truth. You're very tiny. Okay. But, um... Well, he's invited to, to, it, to respond in any... Well, I would love him to. <laughs> I would love him to. Um, I, I wrestled Marco before the, he got injured, actually. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I I absolutely beat him to a... Did you mop goal. the floor with him? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Sam. He's a, he's an infant. I see. He's a, he's a small little boy. I see. I, I guess that'll do it. If he came out through the curtain with a lollipop, you would be confused, and you would go, whose child is this? That's true. That's Marco. That's true. But, to answer your question... Right. Um, I was at a show in uh, Canada. Uh, the, honestly, the number one promotion in Canada, in my opinion, uh, is Alpha One. Okay. And I was at that show, and Cody Rhodes was on the show. And I suppose Cody must have watched my match. And after that, I, he, he had just stayed in touch with me randomly or sporadically. Mm -hmm. And one day through a DM on Twitter, of all things... Go for it. Uh, he was like, hey, are you busy on this date? <laughs> and you're like looking at the calendar going like, hey. oh, oh, that date? <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of things going on, Cody. <laughs> Don't know if I can. No, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm available. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's how it went down. Cody, and then Cody after the show on JR's podcast, which also meant a lot to me, because um, he has been a mentor to me. On the podcast, he said, um, if there was one person that impressed me the most, it was uh, MJF, and that meant the world to me. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I impressed pretty much everybody else. But I, I was impressed. I don't really care about everybody else's mm -hmm. opinion. There's a okay. handful of people's opinions I care about. Right. He's one of them. Right. And that meant a lot. And it also meant a lot that before the show even happened, he said I reminded him of a younger him on one of those uh, the All Elite videos. Or no, oh, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cody. Cody went off. He had his own thing. It was uh, what was Cody's. Uh, Right, right, Cody that they were doing with uh, with Dave Lagana, right? That the yes, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yes, yep. yes. And yeah. I was like, "All right, here we go." And and ever since then, it w it was honestly it was crazy before that with the bookings, but after that, it was totally gangbusters. So when you start uh, doing CZW pretty early in your career, yes, uh, did you? Ever, I mean, did, first of all, how familiar were you with deathmatch wrestling? Because for me. I'm a teenager in the late 90s, early two, early 2000s. I mean, I had the first three CZW VHS tapes from the website. I watched all the Japanese stuff. So I grew up 
when kind of deathmatch wrestling got that boom. Sure. How familiar with it were you? I hated it. You did? Hated deathmatch wrestling. Uh-huh. I Especially being a fan of the old school way. Right. It, it's disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I still hate it. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker and Mankind match to me was different. There was a story truly being told. Mm-hmm. This man had to overcome every single odd mm-hmm. imaginable. And he still kept getting up to his feet by some grace of God. He was a madman. Right. But I could comprehend everything that was going on and I could sink my teeth into it. Mm-hmm. And it even made a guy like me, as despicable as I am, kind of rooting for right. mankind. Right. Kind of rooting for him a little bit. Not like. going to say more than Undertaker because I, I do enjoy watching people get beat up, especially it, especially bigger, thicker people. You like that? Oh, my God. Yeah. But, I, it, be, but it becomes impossible to not cheer for this exactly. guy. Exactly. Right. But a lot... A lot of stuff I've seen from Deathmatch Wrestling, and not all of it. There are some people who have mastered that craft, sure. but unfortunately, it put a sour taste in my mouth before I got involved in wrestling mm-hmm. because it would just be guys hitting each other over the head with light tubes for like no no sure. earthly reason and tombstones off like the top of a ladder through like three tables on fire, and I'm just like, okay, right, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, and you saw that a lot in the wake of ECW, sure. like XPW shows up, and then. People start going like, what if we just take the hardest of hardcore that ECW had and just do it every show? Exactly. And you're going, well, you can't. And I, I still hate CZW. I hate everything about CZW. Uh, the fact that I had to hold that title, I only came there because I wanted to help them. Yeah. They needed fixing. I see. The place was in complete turmoil. Right. I, I, I remember walking up to uh, Triple Ten G. Day Hyde, mm-hmm. and I, I, said, I said, look, Lariat God, uh, this company's gross. Everyone in here looks like they have hep. Wow. And, and we need to clean this place up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about we put somebody on your roster that when you put on a poster, people aren't going to gag? Oh. You know what I mean? That was the pitch? That was, the, that was, that's all I needed to say. Okay. And DJ's response was, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, and, and it was honestly after that, that's, that is how I got associated with CZW. I was never truly a big fan of the product. I see. Uh, I'm a fan of me when I was in the product. You like that? Obviously. Right. Yeah. Are there any? Uh, what was it, what was the most uh, brutal thing that you did over there? Was it the Janela? It had jump to have been the, the Janela match, and I they they uh, cornered me and offered me money that nobody would ever say no to to do Cage of Death, and I was about to do Cage of Death against Ricky Shane Page, a guy who I hate, but I will give credit to and say he might be one of the most underrated independent wrestlers on the scene going today. But you don't like him? No, no, he's fat, right? But he's okay, right? At wrestling, but. He's fat. I see. Um, but what occurred was I had wrestled a match with uh, Sammy Callahan at AAW, and I broke my elbow, so I could not do that matchup. Thank God. Um, You're not. You don't sit there going like oh, I don't think they're cage going. Of oh, death. oh no, rats! You know what I mean? You don't. You don't go cage of death. I hope I I, I rotate back there because that's the one thing in my career that I didn't get to do. Yeah, and and as I was as I was in a brace at home watching Cage of Death, it was Mance Warner versus Ricky Shane Page. I was sipping on wine, just smiling ear to ear because I right. was not involved. But I got to enjoy it, and I, <laughs> I can assure you, the matchup that Mance Warner and Ricky Shane Page had at Cage of Death was—I'm sure fans would appreciate that one more than what they would have got from me. Because what you would have got from me was calculated, intelligent decisions. If somebody was running at me with barbed wire, I would move out of the way. Right. If somebody set up glass in a corner, 
I would kick it and break it. If somebody <laughs> You'd break it with your foot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what am I, an idiot? If somebody <laughs> went to the top of the cage and tried to jump on me, what would I would what would I do, Sam? Roll out the way. Yes. Yeah. You were you were much smarter than you'd look. I'd yeah. roll out of the way. Yeah. So I just love the strategy of just somebody sets up the glass, you just break it. Break it. Yeah. What? I never understood. Just right. stand up, kick the glass. Stop it. Just stop it out. Right. Well, now what, idiot? Right, you know? right. That makes way more sense but than I just digress. falling through it. No, yes. I mean, at least you go in with strategy. You 100%. Know? At least you go in with strategy. So when, uh, when, do you have any 2019 goals? Do you sit there and go, well, we look at the landscape, and, mm. and I would say Ring of Honor is in a space where they're rebuilding in the sense that, you know, the elite and the Bullet Club are, are not going to be there anymore. Sure. You're looking at Impact Wrestling that's completely rebranding themselves and I think still in that process of figuring out who and what they are in a I think a good way sure uh obviously all elite wrestling busts onto the scene this week and then there's always oh I don't know NXT and WWE sure doing what they do yeah. pretty well still heard of them so um, here's my thing I feel like the prettiest girl at the ball right um you also have have a unique opportunity right it, it feels to me like now more so than ever it's up to me even though there's not like the big WWE or WCW, blah, blah, blah. Smaller organizations are signing people to exclusive deals, whether it's fully exclusive or just exclusive in the States or whatever it is. There's a lot more exclusivity going on in promotions than ever before, which isn't necessarily a good thing in the sense that you right now get to go and wrestle all over the place, right? Sure. And get better every time. And maybe being locked down to a single organization wouldn't be the best thing to do at 22, right? You have no idea what I'm going to do. But as I said, every day I feel like the prettiest girl at the ball as as I ascend into the early stages of 2019. Mm -hmm. All of these companies are very much so interested in certain people. I see. And it, I'm never going to, as I said... I'm a man who works, who walks around like a ninja silently mm -hmm. until a deal is done. Mm -hmm. And You're then I'll be, I'll be screaming at the rooftops, right. but I'm not saying anything right so now. So if I asked you, sure. do you know whether or not you're even on WWE's radar? You wouldn't tell me. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Right. I have no idea if I'm on Impact's radar. I have no idea if I'm on Ring of Honor's radar. Right. I have no idea. And that's the thing, is you guys get to have the blast and the fun of all time of watching a prodigy in 2019. Where's he going? What's he doing? Where's he going to do next? What is he going to do next? It's an exciting time. It is an exciting wrestling. time. It's a very exciting time. And I'm not the only guy that's in the in the position that I'm in. There are plenty There are plenty other guys. Look, I'm not going to say there's anybody that is as talented as I am, but no. there are other guys on the independent level right now mm -hmm. that are in a very similar position. Who is your favorite opponent that you have had the pleasure of sharing the squared circle with? <sighs> or I'm, the displeasure? <laughs> well, I've never really enjoyed wrestling any of these professional wrestlers because a lot of them aren't exactly. Would you want to touch some of these guys, Sam? I, mean, I wouldn't. Let's, let's face the fact. No, not, not me. That's why I broadcast. 100%. Yeah. And I respect that. Thank I, you. I mean, you also broadcast because you're, you're a very small man. But well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be the other issue is if I, I try to touch them, I get hurt. Absolutely. So... Um, I, <sighs> There, there are plenty of names that come to my mind of people that made me look human in the squared circle. Mm -hmm. um, meaning God, what? When I say human, meaning not like a god, because 99.9% .9 of the time when somebody's I in see. a ring with me, it's like trying to... Uh, yeah, let me, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Have you ever tried to lift 500 
158 pounds of sheer weight off the ground Mm -hmm. while Mm -hmm. singing the Pledge of Allegiance backwards Mm -hmm. and jumping up and down. Have I? No, I haven't done that. Okay. That's because it's almost physically impossible, right? It sounds extremely difficult. Very difficult. That's what it's like wrestling me. However. Whoa, you're the 558-pound... I'm that obstacle. obstacle. Wow. However, there are people who have made me look human. And when I say that, there are people who have made me look, you know, so you get it. Right. And I'm sure the the listener gets, or maybe they don't. It might go over their head because I'm assuming that most of the people that are listening to this aren't exactly all that bright. Again, not your problem. Not my problem. No. Not my problem. No. I'm not paying for their education. Not my problem. No, you're not. You've made it as clear as you can. I would have to name guys uh, such as, unfortunately, I'd have to name. Joey Janela, even though that guy is so fried. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Janela, a uh, guy by the name of VSK, uh, Alex Reynolds, Ricky Shane Page, Ethan Page, uh, Jimmy Havoc, Sammy Callahan. I mean, it, it's it really is a struggle for me to try to pick out names in the very small category of people that almost looked equal to me. Right. But those are the names that pop up in the front of my head. And then there are also names of people that... I watched I think are talented. Stokely Hathaway. I don't know if you're aware of Stokely Hathaway. Of course, Hathaway. I know Stokely work. Hathaway. I've never wrestled him. I never would wrestle him. We're BFFs. Really? But he, you kidding me? Fine. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, do you, I'm sorry. Do you feel like I shouldn't have Stokely Hathaway as my friend? What do you? No, I don't there? know Stokely that well. Okay, most people don't. But you know who does? Probably this guy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, he's a tremendous talent. There, there's so many people that I've stepped in the ring with that I had a lot of. Uh, Matt Cross as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Of course. Cross. Do you have anybody looking forward that you're like? That's a match that I want to have, just whether it's to prove to yourself, whether it's to prove to other people, whether you just think it would be a great uh, competition to display to the world. Cody Rhodes. You'd like to have a Cody Rhodes I would match. like to wrestle Cody Rhodes. And I, I mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes, I might not be his best friend, but he's my best friend. <laughs> Let me to make that very clear because uh-huh. of the opportunity that he, he had. Got it. He had in. But I would, I foresee that being a matchup that would equate to a dusty flare. Hmm. It's quite a statement. In the coming years. And I think somebody would be able to take a step back, look at that, or 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 Tully Dusty. I mean there's a lot of different Sure. But I personally feel that that matchup would be absolutely incredible. No, I would dude, fair square, there'd be I wouldn't be up any you know, there'd be no tricks on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be throwing eye pokes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be low blow Too much respect a, for that. It'd be a clean match. Right. It'd be a clean match. I see. And it would be fair straight down the middle just to see who is the better man. That's all. That's all. And I think that would be a very interesting match for people to watch. Now, you have, and and I'll tell you how I got here, of course, uh, you know who was the last person on this podcast that I said, who would you want to compete with? And they said uh, Cody Rhodes was David Arquette. Sure. David Arquette. David Arquette bought me a Burberry scarf. He did. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah, I tweeted about it. David Arquette, he hit me up. He said, hey, I'm a huge fan. I responded, everybody is. What do you want? Right. And he said, I'd like to buy you a Burberry scarf for all in. And I said, yeah, man, whatever. <laughs> and I wore it. I wore the David Arquette Burberry scarf out. That's incredible. In matchup, yes. That's incredible. But he reminded me of Nick Gage, who I believe you also, <gasps> you have a matchup coming with Nick Gage. Yeah. And yeah. I have to ask you, is this something that weighs on you? Does it, because to me, you know, like you said, I'm not a physically imposing man. I'm not somebody, this isn't my uh, uh, forte, but of all the people that I would want to be in a wrestling ring with, it feels like Nick Gage would be 
bottom of the list. Nick Gage is a ex-con, a jailbird, and a scumbag. And I think anybody... By the way, I was afraid because he was in Jersey All-Pro. I was afraid of Nick Gage before he went to jail. Listen, there's no reason to be afraid of somebody who has about as many teeth as they do brain cells. When I walk in to the Inspire Pro Wrestling event, where, where this is occurring, by the way, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, in Texas, mm-hmm. I can assure you I already have a game plan. We discussed it. If he tries to hit me with a chair, mm-hmm. I'm going to move out of the way. You avoid the chair. If he sets up a table and puts me on top of it, I'm going to get off the table. Mm-hmm. If he sets up a pane of glass, I'm going to stomp on it. What type of offense, though, are we thinking? There's there's the defense. What type of offense are we thinking? Sam. Yeah. A good offense mm-hmm. is a great defense. You ever I heard see. that phrase before? I see. Yes, they say that in sports. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. When you break enough panes of glass with your foot, and now it's what? Because like, he can't professionally wrestle. I, I see. mean, he he's just a deathmatch guy. I see. You're, are you really going to look at me and tell me Nick Gage is as proficient as a professional wrestler as Maxwell Jacob Friedman? I'm not going to get involved in all that. I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, again, I'm because I'm not a professional wrestler. Okay. I've been trained. Just, no, Sam, Nick's not here. Just allow me to clarify. All right? It's just this is broadcast everywhere. You know, yeah. I don't need to be involved all right. in all that. Understand? You there, know, this I, is this is between you and Nick Gage. I'm I'm happy as long as the people are happy. But you know? to put it lightly, I look forward to bringing the American judicial system to Nick Gage once more. Judicial system. Is that not what I said? You said judicial system. However I want to pronounce something is You're the right, right way to, sh- for I it to be pronounced. You. That was rude. I'm Watch sorry. yourself. I apologize. Watch yourself. I apologize. But you want to, yeah, you want to bring down the long arm of the law onto Nick Gage. Absolutely. Okay. Well, good luck with that. I think you, if anybody could do it, I don't see why not you. Yeah, 100%. MJF, is there anything that you would like to uh, alert the people to? What I would like to alert the people is my 2018 was absolutely tremendous. It's hard to argue. You know, and like I said, we had this conversation in the beginning of this conversation. Sure. About ego and confidence. And I would love to sit there because of how confidently you say that and go, it wasn't that great. Mm. But it was. Sure. You know, no matter whether, whether anybody likes you or not. Yeah. You had a great 2018. Nothing you can say about it, but you can't. That. However, mm-hmm. if you think 2018 was interesting, I do. Just you wait. Mm-hmm. Just you wait for 2019 because I am going to blow the roof off of every single idea that people have behind experience levels mm-hmm. and age. I am going to change the game. I appreciate what people prior to me have done in my age bracket. However, I am going to make people forget how long I've been wrestling because they're going to go, this person is uncomparable to anybody who has ever stepped foot in our sport. That is what my 2019 is going to be. My God, lofty goals. By the way, when you, I, one question. When you get injured, right, and you miss Cage of Death and, yes. and the whole thing, your first major injury in wrestling? Um, Was it? I, I had a knee issue. I, I, I messed my knee up one time. Uh-huh. Did it take you out of wrestling? For a little bit, uh-huh. but it wasn't wild. It was nothing crazy. Do those injuries, when it's early in your career, I feel like those are the moments where realization starts to sit in. Those are the those are the moments where I think some people go like, you know what, I can't, I can't do this. This isn't going to be the first one of these, blah, blah, blah. What are the thoughts when you're young, you got no guarantees, you're just starting to build a little momentum, mm. And you get taken out. We saw it happen to Joey Janela. He was on. Yeah. He, he he was also there for All In. Yes, he was. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was getting ready for his next big show that had his name all over it. He was on, not Sam Wrestling, and then boom, he's out for a year. Mm. 
what does it do mentally? Like, how do you how do you get yourself through an injury when you're at the level that you're at? For me, what I would say personally and professionally, um, when when it happens, it sucks. There's literally there's no other way to describe it because not not only do I love money, I love wrestling. Right. But without wrestling, I don't get what Sam money exactly. Right. Both things go away. It's yes. either both or neither. Yes. Right. Luckily, as we said, I got money to blow. Right. There's plenty of money, but, but you it, like to earn more. Yeah. Who doesn't Who doesn't like getting more money? Right. Um, but to top all that off, it is frustrating, frustrating sitting back and watching everything happen while you're gone. I was only gone for like four or five weeks, but still it gets annoying. But luckily what I can say that me and a guy like Janela too, I'll give, I'll give the devil his due. Mm-hmm. We both are capable at getting people's attention outside of the realm of bell to bell. I am capable of taking to social media. I am capable of making a video of just this, me mm-hmm. and you talking, a podcast, mm-hmm. an interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm able to make sure that nobody forgets who I am or my name. So I wasn't nervous. I was just pissed off. Right. For another person who might not have the same capabilities, which nobody really does as I do, with a microphone in front of my mouth, mm-hmm. I would have been shitting bricks. Right. Because the way, you know, some of these guys get over and get their fan base is by moves. Which, again, I'm not knocking it. We need different flavors of ice cream. But I don't have to worry about stuff when I get injured because I always can put a microphone in front of my mouth. Well, it's just good to be you, man. Dude, you have no idea. I don't. I wish I did sometimes. Yeah. I have no you idea. You never will, though. Look I... at me. Make eye contact okay. with me. You will never know what it's like to be me. Ever. Bro, I'm 35. I haven't gotten there yet. Good. Okay? It's not going to happen Ever. for me. Ever. It's just... I'm, I'm making eye contact with you because right. I want to make it very apparent. Okay. You will never. Right. Ever. Right. Be in the same position I'm in. Uh-huh. Ever. You are going to die knowing that. Right. Do you understand that? And do you mean... I might go better, or you're just saying always less than. Always less than me. Okay. Now I'm gonna look at the viewer. Okay. You as well. Can you can we can we yeah. zoom this camera in I or can, make a camera uh, cut? Uh, yeah. Here you go. Here we go. Go for it. You yep. will never. Yeah. Ever attain the same exact lofty goals that I had. Right. At the tender age of 22. Jesus. Ever. I don't care if you're 30, 40, 50, or about to break 100. Good luck. Because you are going to go into the grave knowing oh. that my name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman and I'm better than you. And you know it. That sucks. Thank you for joining us, MJF. Absolutely. It's been it's been uplifting, to say yeah. the least. That's what I do. <laughs> All right, bud. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. We just shook hands, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Do you have pure well, by the way? Do well, we'll get you some. Okay, Don't thank God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here is Sam Roberts. What a great interview with MJF. You know, we're going to have guests like that. I don't know if it'll be MJF exactly, but we're going to have guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff going on in Phoenix on January 25th, the Friday night before the Royal Rumble. CB Live, Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona. Make sure that you're there, 7.30 p.m. Friday, January 25th. Not Sam Wrestling Live. Get your tickets now. Just uh, Google CB Live Phoenix, and uh, the place will come right up. You can see I'm there January 25th. Get those tickets. Now, MJF was great, and MJF is the perfect guest to have on today because today is all about looking forward. You know, last week on the show, we ranked the top 10 moments of 2018, and the reason I like to do that is because we start 2019 with a clean slate. So much going on, even in the first three days of 2019. It's unbelievable what's happening in this world of wrestling. 
within the WWE, outside of the WWE, within the United States, outside of the United States. I mean, think about everything that's going on right now. You've got a shakeup happening on Raw and SmackDown. You've got the Royal Rumble around the corner. Wrestle Kingdom is this week. All Elite Wrestling is happening. It's actually happening. The announcement has been made. Wrestling journalists are arguing with each other on Twitter. Vince Russo and Bruce Pritchard are fighting with each other over who's a liar. It's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan and watch the circus happening for all of us. All of us. It's just entertainment as far as the eye can see. From wrestling on TV to wrestling live to wrestling on podcasts, you can literally, in 2019, just decide that wrestling is all you want to consume in your life and it was, you still wouldn't have time to consume everything. That's how much stuff there is out there. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Let's do it. Let's try to break down everything that happened just this week, just in the first couple days of 2019, and take a look at what this year is starting to look like. Folks, let's get into the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it is. Welcome to the State of Wrestling, the first State of Wrestling, as a matter of fact, of 2019, of course, we covered Mean Gene Okerlund at the top of the podcast because the life of Mean Gene is by far the biggest story of the week this week. But that's why I wanted to start the podcast with it and stay save State of Wrestling for some more topical items. Of course, in State of Wrestling, we go over the top five stories of the week, according to me. Um, unusually, it's in order of most important, uh, you know, the top five most important, meaning number one is the most important. But... Um, I'm going to start with Wrestle Kingdom 13 at number 5. Realistically, it's probably... <coughs> excuse me. Realistically, it's probably the number 2 story. But we're starting it with number 5 just for the flow of conversation, I suppose. Wrestle Kingdom 13 goes down on Friday. 3 a.m. Eastern local time here in New York City is when it starts. Of course, uh, I believe it's on New Japan World. I know it's on... Fight.tv. I know there there are spots to see it. That's that's always a struggle here in the states to figure out where the best spot is to see Wrestle Kingdom. But there are plenty of spots, and I think Fight.tv is going to be on demand as well. Um, what we're going to be doing on Patreon is Friday afternoon, so it's going to give everybody plenty of time to see it. We're not going to do it immediately after the show, but some point on Friday afternoon, I'll be doing a live Wrestle Kingdom 13 post show where we'll be able to talk about all the matches, what went down, what we thought of the show, everything. Probably sometime, you know, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday uh, after everybody's gotten a chance to see it. Um, and it'll be for, I believe, superstars and above. I don't know, whatever the tiers are, whatever whatever tier gets the, the uh, uh, live pay-per-view post shows, that's the tier that's going to get this live pay-per-view post show. So the Wrestle Kingdom post show Coming for Patreon users at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Of course, the Not Sam Shills. You guys can log on uh, Friday afternoon. I'll send an email and everything when I know what time. Uh, but you'll be able to uh, communicate. And of course, as you're watching the show, if you want to send a comment to me either uh, in the Discord room or on the Patreon page, I'll be able to incorporate those questions into the live post show. So go ahead and do that if you're a member. If you're not a member, sign up, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Become a Not Sam Shell today. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, there is no uh, there's no Battle Royal this year. 
you know, the last several years of Wrestle Kingdom, the pre-show has been all about the Battle Royal and tons of surprise entrance and, and legendary entrance, you know, uh, whether it's badass Billy Gunn or Jushin Thunder Liger. This year, the pre-show is kicking off with the gauntlet match to, to determine the number one contenders to the never openweight six-man tag team championship. And that, of course, is the most violent players uh, with uh, Taguchi versus Yuji Nagata, Jeff Cobb, and Dave Finley versus Chaos versus Suzuki Gun versus the Elite which is represented by Hangman Page, Takahashi, and Marty Skrull. Um, you know, this show, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, I think it's going to be interesting for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's being reported uh, at the time of this recording that already, right now, today, it's officially sold more tickets than they sold last year for this show. Um, there are more Tickets sold to this year to Wrestle Kingdom 13 than there were paid attendees at Wrestle Kingdom 12, which, as I've said, look, I said this going into 2019. The only way to really figure out how you're doing in this life is to think about where you were 365 days ago and have you improved in any way, shape or form? Are you better even a little bit? And if the answer is yes, you're crushing. So New Japan. Wrestle Kingdom 13, more tickets sold. Even if it's one more ticket sold than Wrestle Kingdom 12, congratulations, you're crushing. This show is going to be interesting for a lot of the same reasons why Ring of Honor Final Battle was interesting in the sense that uh, what is the future of the elite in New Japan? Now, it's a little bit different because in Ring of Honor, we knew that Cody and the Bucks Ring of Honor contracts were expiring. We didn't know exactly what that meant. Now we know that all elite wrestling is happening it's happening uh, soon. There's going to be a press conference uh, on Tuesday, I believe, to break it all down. Maybe we'll do a bonus show on Patreon after that press conference happens. Um, but will they have a relationship with New Japan the way Ring of Honor does? I would guess no. I find it difficult to believe because Ring of, Hon I'm, Ring of Honor has the relationship with New Japan. So I don't know why Ring of Honor would also want All Elite Wrestling to have a relationship because I would imagine that Ring of Honor will be the ones that All Elite is really competing with, realistically, more so than WWE, at least at first. So and and New Japan is kind of Ring of Honor's trick in their back pocket right now. So I would think that Ring of Honor's contract would not allow another partnership with another organization in the States. So will this be the end of the elite in in New Japan? Of course, Marty Skrull is sticking around Ring of Honor for at least a little while. Um, but Hangman Page isn't. Hangman Page is showing up with All Elite Wrestling. He's already there. He's already apparently signed. If you look at the images that are being posted, and we'll talk about All Elite Wrestling as State of Wrestling continues, but, you know, I, I when you're looking at it, Takahashi, Marty Skrull, they've got time to stick around in New Japan theoretically, but Hangman Page does not, if this All Elite Wrestling is what it is. So, you know, does the Elite get squashed on this show finally? Will they use their time to to make the Bullet Club and and Jay White and and the 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 Tongas look like a million bucks? I don't know. I would imagine the Elite will not be the number one contenders to the never open weight six man tag team championship. Um, and I hope I I would like to see Chaos get it. And they're represented by uh, Goto Beretta and Chuck Taylor, Chucky e. T. So. Those are the guys that I think I would like to see. Um, them or Suzuki Gun, I suppose, which is Suzuki, uh, Lance Archer, 
and Davy Boy Smith Jr. But probably Chaos would be my pick for that one. Um, big match. This is for the Never Openweight Championship. And this is one that people are thinking could steal the show. Abushi versus Will Ospreay. Of course, Will Ospreay was not involved in the WWE's Cruiserweight Classic. Abushi was. Uh, but these are two guys that I think really need to make an impact in 2019. You know, they're certainly talked about. They're certainly very much beloved in the world of wrestling. But are they at the top of the list? You know, with, with more and more organizations popping up, I think that there is more competition and more reason to fight to have your name at the top of that list of the, the guys that people are talking about. There's big money being put into all elite wrestling. WWE is going to have to compete with that by offering bigger money than ever for NXT signees. Ring of Honor is going to have to compete with that by offering bigger money. In order to get that big money, you have to have value. You have to people you the the organizations have to know that you're going to bring audiences to see you. So that is the job that Ibushi and Will Ospreay have at this show. And I'm whether they, they could be staying in New Japan for the next ten years. It's just the landscape of wrestling is changing in a way that. You got to make an impression, and this is the opportunity for those guys to make an impression, and I think they will. Um, I think Will Ospreay probably needs the win more than Ibushi does, but I would my preference would probably be Ibushi winning. Um, and again, I'm no you know New Japan expert. I don't watch every show, but I guess I know enough. Maybe I don't, depending on your perspective. Uh, we got the three way tag team match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, which is Suzuki Gun versus Rapongi 3K. Uh, versus the Ingobernables de Japón. Um, you know, I'm hoping it's uh, Bushi and Takagi. You know, I I, I love uh, Lij mainly for Naito, but you know, when that Lij logo pops up, I pop. When that logo pops, Sam Roberts pops. So that's who I would want to win this one. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. is another guy who's got to make an impression this year. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. is a guy who was in the Cruiserweight Classic who did not take the WWE up on, you know, entering the 205 Live landscape, which maybe is a good thing. You know, 205 Live was not exactly the runaway success that I think some of the guys there thought it would be. But when you look at it, I mean, I think uh, Drew Gulak is doing great in terms of the character work that he's done. Clearly, um, um, you know, there are standouts in 205 Live. I think in general, not so much, but like Mustafa Ali is now on the main roster of SmackDown and he's in the conversation of main event guys. You know, Mustafa Ali has a very SmackDown, early SmackDown vibe from the initial draft when you had guys like Edge and Rey Mysterio and all those guys, Eddie Guerrero on the come up, about to become the next class of WWE main eventers. Mustafa Ali's in that conversation in 2019. And 205 Live is what got him in the door. I mean, look at guys like Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy that have gotten mainstream pay-per-view matches. You know, now, again, I'm not saying Zack Sabre Jr. should have gone to 205 Live. I think as much, uh, whatever, not panache, but as much weight as Zack Sabre Jr. holds, I think he can do even better outside of WWE at the moment, but this would be the year to do it. It's Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, Tamahiro Ishii for the British Heavyweight Championship. 
you know, I mean, it seems like you're going to have a British heavyweight championship. Not the worst thing in the world to have Zack Sabre Jr. hold the title. Uh, it's a three-way tag team match for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. Every match is a title match. I don't know how people don't criticize New Japan for having way too many titles. Uh, of course, Tamatanga and Tongaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny, repping the Bullet Club hard, versus LIG, that's Sonata and Evil, versus the Young Bucks. Uh, to me, I think that this match is all about the Gorillas of Destiny and the Young Bucks. You know, there's been a lot of tension about the way, especially Tamatanga, is identifying and defining the Bullet Club. You know, Cody stepped away from it, but at the same time, you look at Tamatanga's tweets. Tamatanga is one of the dangerous tweeters in the game. And he's kind of made inference that the stuff the elite was doing was not, was an offshoot of the Bullet Club, and that he took ownership back of the Bullet Club. You know, when you talk to AJ Styles, when you talk to uh, even uh, Finn Balor about the original Bullet Club, Tamatanga is a name that comes up. You know, this is, talk to the Machine Gun Carl Anderson about it, Luke Gallows. Tamatanga is. Is he the last member left of the last founding member of the Bullet Club? I mean, Tongaloa was there too, but one of the founding members of the Bullet Club. And he's got to take ownership back of this thing. I would like to see Tamatanga pin one of the Young Bucks at this show to retain the IWGP Tag Team Championship. And just to really cement that the Bullet Club is a strong force in New Japan. Of course... You're going to have to uh, see that in the match between Jay White and Okada. Now, that's a bigger match because Jay White kind of needs the win to cement him as the next American star of New Japan. But at the same time, are we going to job out the Rainmaker at Wrestle Kingdom? You know, I, I kind of, I, I have a tough time believing that Okada's not going to win this match. But Jay White really needs it, so we'll see. Uh, speaking of needing it, Juice Robinson is going to need that IWGP United States Championship win uh, from Cody Rhodes. And I think he's going to get it. You know, I think Cody Rhodes is moving on to all elite wrestling. And this is going to be Juice Robinson's chance to shine. Um, but as seriously as Cody Rhodes takes wrestling and the wrestling business and tradition and the way things are done, I would imagine Cody is going to make sure that this is a classic and Juice Robinson is going to be right there making sure it is too. You know, we all talk about Cody Rhodes and the way he left uh, WWE. But let's make no mistakes about it. Juice Robinson left NXT to find greener pastures. And he has really carved out a career for himself without the notoriety that WWE TV brings you. Being on the main roster brings you a certain level of notoriety. Juice Robinson left that company, the security of that company, without that notoriety. And has really made a name for himself. And I think within the next two years or so, Juice Robinson is going to be a name on the top of everybody's lips. Uh, Kushida versus uh, uh, Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Love me some Kushida. The big, the two big matches. Chris Jericho defending that IWGP Intercontinental Championship against Naito. Uh, Naito needs this one. Naito needs this one. And who knows what Jericho is doing? You know, who knows if Jericho is going to stay with New Japan? Maybe Jericho will do stuff with all elite wrestling. Jericho tends to know how to be a part of what's cool in wrestling. So he may be waiting for the dust to settle before he really figures out exactly what he's going to do next. 
I think it would be a great relationship to have him be a part of all elite wrestling. It would add that extra level of star power. And at the same time, uh, maintain his, not keep him, but maintain his relevance in the sense that he's maintained his relevance tremendously by going from WWE, hitting up New Japan, now to go to All Elite Wrestling and then maybe do something else with WWE. Like, I, you know, Jericho is just on another level right now. But I do think it's time for Naito to get that Intercontinental Championship match back. And of course, Tanahashi, who I think last year when we talked about him, we kind of talked about him falling off a little bit. And I got a little bit of criticism for that. And maybe it was uh, well-founded because he has completely cemented his position as one of the icons of New Japan Pro Wrestling, for sure. One of the great heroes that the company has and will ever have. Uh, and he's got that IWGP Heavyweight Championship match against Kenny Omega. It remains to be seen where Kenny Omega is going. Is All Elite Wrestling happening for Kenny Omega? If it is, I would imagine it's Tanahashi's time to be champion of New Japan and the IWGP. But if not... You know, I think a lot of people think that this one may be going in favor of Tanahashi, which could be a good reason to give it to Kenny Omega. We'll see what happens, and we'll uh, break it all down over on Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling Friday afternoon after the show is done. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. It's always such a fun time to watch Wrestle Kingdom. I'll wake up in the morning on Friday before I go to the radio show, and uh, and I'll be able to watch parts of it live. I, just, I love it. I love it very, very much. Speaking of big shows, story number four is the first push toward Royal Rumble promotion this week. Of course, you know, it's been pushed towards a little bit, you know, over the last couple weeks. But this week was the first sort of full-fledged, here's what's going on at the Royal Rumble. We've got our Universal Championship match between Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. We've got our WWE Championship match between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And what a tremendous Fatal 5-Way match to determine Daniel Bryan's uh, opponent this week on SmackDown. As far as the Royal Rumble matches, the men's Royal Rumble, we've got R-Truth, who's coming in at number 30 because he and Carmella won the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, we've got Drew McIntyre, who had a, a, a great cage match with Dolph Ziggler. That Claymore kick gets better and better every single time I see it. It's amazing that it doesn't behead people. And all three members of the New Day also announced for the Royal Rumble. For the Women's Royal Rumble, of course, Carmella, who won the Mixed Match Challenge with R-Truth, as previously stated. We're going to have Natalia, who announced on Raw this week that she was going to enter because she wants her rematch with Ronda Rousey to go down at WrestleMania. Sasha Banks and Bailey both entering. Ember Moon embering, embering, entering uh, in an effort to make this her year. And all three members of the Riot Squad, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan, all entering the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, there was some um, mention made of the fact that they're not specifically advertising anymore that the winner of the Royal Rumble will get to main event WrestleMania. They're saying that the winner of the Royal Rumble will get, the, will get a championship match at WrestleMania. Which I think is fair, but also not a shock. I mean, the winner of the Royal Rumble can't get the main event of WrestleMania because there's two Royal Rumbles. So, you know, we can't... The winner of the men's Royal Rumble... Plus, there's four championships total in two matches. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's shocking. And it's also not like it was ever guaranteed. Ever since there have been two titles, you know? I mean, there, what about Alberto Del Rio winning the Royal Rumble so that he could 
Wrestle Edge first at WrestleMania. You know, I, I I don't think the Royal Rumble has ever been about main eventing WrestleMania. It's been about having the championship match at WrestleMania. There was a time in WWE when it was all about the championship match. We knew that the WWE championship was going to be the main event, but I think once the draft happened 10 or more years ago, that all went up in the air. You know, once there was more than one champion, that all went up in the air. And now that the women are becoming what the women are becoming, and we're looking at shows like Survivor Series, where the women are legitimately main eventing, you know, I don't think that there's any reason to sit there and say, well, clearly the winner of one of these two matches is going to main event the show. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see on SmackDown, of course, the conversation between Carmella, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch over who got the women's championship match at Royal Rumble. I really want to see Charlotte and Becky Lynch in the Royal Rumble match. I think it will add a level of unpredictability if both those superstars are in it because Charlotte or Becky could win that thing because I don't think anybody's convinced, even though everybody wants Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey to be the main event of WrestleMania, I don't think that wrestling fans are convinced that WWE is not going to either go for Charlotte versus Ronda or some kind of a triple threat scenario because both storylines have been left open. So either way, I think we'd be much better served at having a Carmella Asuka match at the Royal Rumble. But then you look at it again and you go, well, Carmella's already the number 30 participant in the Royal Rumble. So odds are she's not going to get the title match. There was a graphic that popped up, uh, I think on one of the weekend WWE shows, that Becky Lynch versus Asuka would indeed be the match at Royal Rumble. Now, there is this possibility that Ronda Rousey interferes and stops Becky from beating Asuka. Charlotte goes on to win the Royal Rumble, and then she challenges Asuka. You know, there is still this possibility that even if you've got Becky Lynch versus Asuka at the Royal Rumble in a singles match, you could still have Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. Just have the winner of the Royal Rumble challenge the champion who isn't Ronda Rousey. You know, that's the beauty of not guaranteeing a main event slot, just guaranteeing a championship match at WrestleMania. So I'm excited for it. I love Royal, Royal Rumble is probably my favorite event of the year. Um, and I think this one will be no exception. It's just unpredictable and we're able to have so much fun with it. I think on the men's side, Drew McIntyre is the one you got to be looking at. You know, we can move on to story number three because it kind of ties into all of this. And that is the two showdowns that we've seen over the past couple weeks. We didn't get to talk about AJ Styles and Vince McMahon last week because last week was all about the year of 2018. But on SmackDown, you've got AJ Styles being confronted by Vince McMahon about being the real AJ Styles. Vince hits him. AJ knocks him in the face, knocks him out. And that sort of tension was played up again on SmackDown this week. You had something similar on Raw, but it was done well enough that people, I don't think, felt like it was repetitive. I certainly didn't feel like it was repetitive. The segment between Triple H and Seth Rollins, I thought, was was great. Now, it's interesting that both Seth Rollins and AJ, arguably the top good guys on either show right now, in my opinion, the top good guys on either show right now, are having authority figures on Raw and SmackDown tell them that they're not doing well enough. It almost makes me sit there and go, hmm, I wonder if this is Vince McMahon's way of saying, hey, you're not doing well enough, uh, or if it's purely storyline. 
Who knows? But the fact that it's the same storyline, basically, is happening on both shows, I think that that's a risky scenario. I think that these two have been executed differently enough that, you know, most people, it's probably kind of going under the radar. I just think that we need to keep moving them in two separate directions, and who knows? Maybe end up with a Seth Rollins-AJ Styles match at some point to really determine who the dominant force in the WWE is. But I think that, I think that AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, and Drew McIntyre are your three guys to look at in the Royal Rumble. Now, the fact that AJ Styles has his match with Daniel Bryan would lead you to believe that he's not going to be in the 30-man Royal Rumble match. So I'm kind of left with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre in the thing. Those those would be my, my picks. And my preference would be for Seth Rollins to win, for Seth Rollins to capture the Universal Championship from Brock Lesnar, and for Drew McIntyre to come after him following WrestleMania. That would be my preference. Uh, but my preference doesn't always win out. But I just I, I think that both those segments were great. And quite honestly, I think that and who knew? Leave it since the shakeup, which really didn't seem all that dramatic when it happened, I think the shakeup was more of an acknowledgement uh, that the WWE saw what was going on and decided to move forward because Raw and SmackDown have been much better in the past couple weeks. The holiday, and and they were taped, so it'll be interesting to see how they go live, but the holiday versions, the Christmas and New Year shows of Raw and SmackDown, especially the two New Year's shows, fantastic. Better than a lot of shows this year, and usually the holiday shows are the throwaway shows, but the Christmas shows I don't think were, and the New Year shows weren't even a little bit throwaway shows. The New Year shows were shows that you have to go back and watch because... They were better than a lot of shows in 2018. You know, I do think, you know, when you talk about the, like, the fresh start Battle Royal thing, you had Apollo Crews looking strong. They're they're taking some time to tell Zack Ryder's story about not having a match on Raw and about, you know, only ever buying figures on eBay, not having a real action figure collection. I think they brought that up. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that those uh, stories are going to pan out. You know what I mean? I, I think that WWE sometimes have a, a tendency of being like, okay, let's refresh everything. Let's get these guys that maybe haven't had the greatest win-loss record, that maybe haven't done that much in the past year or two, and let's do something with them. The WWE has a tendency of, of starting that and then realizing like, oh, yeah, I guess this is why we didn't do anything with them. And they, they still kind of don't. I mean, think about all the mini pushes that Zack Ryder has had in his career, and I think... Apollo Crews is in the same boat, you know? That's not to say you should be pessimistic about it, but I think realistically, the guys in the in the fresh start battle royal are probably not going to get a fresh start. I think Finn Balor might. You know, I think guys that are on the cusp of being main event guys might have an opportunity here. I think Baron Corbin will get to a place where he's a big main event bad guy. I think Finn Balor's going to have a pretty good year. Um, but... In terms of those other guys, I don't think No Way Jose is going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Let's talk about the number two story of the week. That's John Cena's return to SmackDown. And the fact that the WWE decides to use that moment to push forward Becky Lynch, which I thought was such a great step forward. Such a great opportunity for Becky Lynch. And, you know, as I sat there, I was like, okay, you know, when John Cena, first of all, Zelina Vega comes out. And I love that they're giving Zelina Vega Paul Heyman's uh, lines. 
My name is Zelina Vega, and this is blah, 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 blah. I think that they're doing that on purpose. I think they want people to draw parallels to Paul Heyman and Zelina Vega. There aren't that many managers, agents, advocates. There aren't that many people in that role in WWE right now. So I feel like when somebody does pop up, whether it's Drake Maverick or or Zelina Vega or Paul Heyman, it's because WWE has a lot of faith in those people. And I think WWE has a tremendous amount of faith in Zelina Vega, and they should. I mean, she just instantly has a way of going out there and owning an arena. She gets on that microphone, and she forces people to pay attention to her, which you can't take for granted. I mean, that is a that is a very valuable skill to have. So I was really happy to see her get the shine in that segment. Um, and I was happy to see John Cena and Becky Lynch together. When they formed the tag team, I was like, uh, let's not make this hokey because you run the risk of Becky Lynch coming across like John Cena's assistant. You know what I mean? Becky Lynch, to get the rub from John Cena is a good thing, but to get what I call the tugboat rub in the sense that, okay, we want you to cheer for Becky Lynch because she's friends with John Cena. Like, I don't know if Becky needs that. And that's why I thought it was so great at the end of the match when John Cena goes for the handshake with his hair all over the place and Becky Lynch hit him with the you can't see me, completely faked him out and walked out, elbows pointing outwards, proud as a peacock, walking up that aisle as if to say, no, John, I don't need to shake your hand. In case you hadn't heard, I'm already the man. Loved it. I thought that the fact that it ended there was perfect. Let's get to the number one story of the week. This is really, this is the one. All Elite Wrestling is confirmed. All Elite Wrestling is announced. New Year's Day, 3 a.m. Eastern Time, 12 a.m. Pacific. Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks announced that they put up the logo. All Elite Wrestling is happening. Double or Nothing is happening. We can assume that Double or Nothing is uh, an event of some sort. Maybe their second big pay-per-view. Now, here's what we know about All Elite Wrestling. Based on their Twitter account, uh, we've got Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, and, 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 and the family of those people. Based on the photo, we also saw uh, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky. Those guys were also on the flyer for the people that would be at this All Elite Wrestling uh, press conference event thing that's happening on Tuesday, which I'm excited to see what the, what, what comes out of it. Uh, but they are, they're doubling down, double or nothing, and they're betting on themselves. Apparently, they've got uh, money backing them. They've got a guy named Tony Khan, who is a co-owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, comes from a a family that is reported to be uh, valued at over $6 billion. So they've got a, a, one would think, and and apparently he's a big wrestling fan too, which is a good thing. So, one would think they've got a pretty significant financial backer going on. According to Dave Meltzer, they've got multiple parties interested in television, uh, especially after All In went across so well. People liked it. The production value was high. Don't forget, they were able to get the All In pre-show on WGN. Even if All Elite Wrestling just manages to get a weekly time slot on WGN, that would be a huge, huge get for them. Um, I think the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, uh, I read, are being listed as executive vice presidents. Uh, one of the rumors I read was that the Young Bucks were going to be in more booker positions, whereas Cody Rhodes would be in more of a producer position. 
I don't know what that means to all of us so much um, other than the fact that these guys are going to be the creative force behind uh, this show, behind All Elite Wrestling. And look, you know, I think that... uh, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly how this thing is laid out. Cody comes from a bloodline of promoters. The Rhodes name goes with promoting wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, right? Cody also has been in the belly of the beast. He was raised in the WWE. He knows how it all works. He knows the secrets. He knows the things that would never occur to you or I. That's a very, very valuable asset. Now, again, I would have loved to see these guys pop up in the Royal Rumble, but for the wrestling industry as a whole, this has the potential to mean a lot more. You know, it's really, really crazy. And Cody talked about it a little bit this week that you've got three guys that are three of the hottest free agents in the world, and they've all decided to trust in themselves and each other as opposed to doing what traditionally has been the obvious move, which is head over to WWE. Um, I don't know if I would have made that made that move. You know, Cody luckily has been to WWE before. Because the thing about WWE is you're a kid, you're a wrestling fan, you have a dream to be a wrestler. It means you have a dream to be in the WWE. You know, and Cody and the Bucks are changing all that now. Um... You know, I I think that this is the best news for people like MJF, who was on the show today. I think Dalton Castle. I think uh, uh, guys like that. This could be incredible news for him. You know, one question was brought up, which is, did Ring of Honor make a mistake partnering with them to promote All In? Because what they did was to promote and produce. Because what they did was they created their own competition. At the same time, without All In, I don't think the Madison Square Garden show would have happened, but New Japan had a lot to do with that. Historically, we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, if Ring of Honor survives this thing, then I don't think historically uh, we'll look back on this as a mistake. But if Ring of Honor goes under, then I think this will be the moment that people go, yeah, they never should have done that with All In. It proved to the world what Cody and the Bucks can do when they're together. So we're going to talk a lot more about All Elite Wrestling um, after the press conference. You know, I don't think immediately it's going to be competition, quote-unquote, to WWE. You have to understand, WWE is closer to Disney than it is to Ring of Honor. WWE is a giant entertainment company. You know, so starting a wrestling promotion, you're not going to compete with WWE on a, on a real, like, mono e mono level. But... All Elite Wrestling has a major opportunity to jump up to number two really, really quickly. And the more successful they are, the more investors they can get in that company. The more people they can get putting money into that company. And the more money they put into the company, the more likely they are to get to a place where they can compete with WWE. Look, for a long time, people did not think of WCW as actual competition for WWE. And then the Turner organization decided to spend some money on it and it became competition for the WWE. We'll see what happens here. The wrestling industry has a lot of talent in it. And the WWE has a lot of people that could benefit from knowing that there are other places to go if they wanted to go. 
all elite wrestling has to be able to maintain. That's going to be the key here, is maintenance, being able to maintain, being able to stay alive, not put on one more show, not be open for a year. All elite wrestling needs to have a plan to stay open and to grow over the next five years. And if they've got that going on, they're going to be a real, real force. I can't wait to see what happens at this press conference. It's an amazing time in the world of pro wrestling. 2019 is fabulous. You guys are fabulous. I appreciate you being here this week on Not Sam Wrestling. Don't forget, sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash Wrestling And Phoenix, Arizona, we are coming your way. CB Live, Phoenix, Arizona, August, I'm sorry, January 25th, only a few weeks away, the Friday before the Royal Rumble, 7.30 p.m., I'm putting together a very, very fun show that I want you to be at. Be there, Phoenix, Arizona, Friday, January 25th, 7.30 p.m., CB Live. We'll see you then, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody, from all of us, which is me, at Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. <laughs>